Hey, it's Madison, the Black Eagle, and here's a highlight from today's show. Let me do this. We usually start the hour uh, at the top of the hour with our Black History fact, but I, I, I have Representative Congressman uh, Ro Connor who represents California's 17th Congressional District, which, by the way, located in the heart of Silicon Valley. And he's serving his uh, third term, sits on some very important committees, Agriculture, Armed Services, Oversight, and Reform. Uh, Thank you so much. One of the reasons I wanted to uh, get you here on the Madison Show, you recently wrote an op-ed titled Building Black Wealth Matters. And so in your position, uh, particularly uh, as part of the Progressive Caucus, uh, how do, first of all, how do you propose to get this done? And, and in the last hour, at the end of the last hour, this recent poll, eight in 10 Americans um, uh, say Biden's not doing enough for the economy as a whole. So how do you what 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 is what can be done between now and November 8th? Well, thank you. I'm a big fan of the show. Oh, thank you. I would say I would say two things. Well, first, concretely, what can be done between now and November is uh, to forgive students. (laughs) Yes. go ahead. Can you hear me? Yes. Go ahead. Yeah, well. I said between now and, and November, I think the biggest thing that could be done is to forgive student debt in terms of actually uh, the wealth gap. Uh, it is no uh, secret that the disproportionate amount of student debt is amongst uh, lower wealth Americans. And many uh, uh, black Americans uh, have more student debt because uh, their parents, their grandparents didn't pay for their college education. So that would be something immediate. More long-term, you know, Silicon Valley, where I represent, has uh, $11 trillion of market cap, Apple, Google, Intel, Yahoo, Cisco. There's going to be 25 million of these digital jobs, and there's no way that we're going to overcome the racial wealth gap if we don't overcome the racial wealth generation gap. And that means that we have to figure out how we get more uh, black Americans in opportunities for tech uh, how we get them more of these seventy, eighty thousand uh, dollar digital jobs that are going to be in manufacturing, in retail, in healthcare uh, require about an eighteen month credential. And what I have done, is, you know, I've worked with uh, Claflin and HBCU and Zoom uh, in a partnership, and Benedict College uh, and Google, uh, and trying to get the tech companies to partner with the HBCUs to have some of these young folks get a stipend, about five thousand bucks, eighteen month course. Uh, and then they get a $70,000 job at the end of it. We need to scale that. And I would have, have the president should announce a goal. We're going to have 1 million black Americans of digital jobs uh, that are going to pay uh, uh, a significant uh, middle-class wage by uh, 2025. Now, uh, you know, Congressman, I, I have a son, grown son, who is in the tech field. Um, I, I, I guess as I sit here, these aren't, I mean, where you are in Silicon Valley. Why is it difficult to understand and do what you just proposed? Hell, HBCUs have been around for over 100-plus years. 
These young people are out. We we at Sirius, I mean, we hire them as interns. Uh, many of them work out. They get they get into uh, the communication field. I guess I'm I'm somewhat. It it, it just bothers me, as that that it's like you have to, it's like pulling hen's teeth to get these tech companies to understand what you're talking about what what's the issue is it at the top is it that they just don't want to do it uh what's what's the deal well of course there's been uh racism exclusion like in many uh industries in america and and a lot of these tech companies when they were scaling when they were growing uh did not pay uh, sufficient attention to uh, where all of the talent uh, is, and they need to be, do a better job, not just uh, recruiting, uh, but also retaining, also promoting, also uh, investing in uh, with venture capital. But then there's also been a uh, a blind spot, I think, in our country to, to understand how many digital jobs are going to exist. 25 million of these jobs, uh, a sense that you actually don't need to know a lot of math and coding. Uh, to be able to do these jobs, that the technology has advanced so much that uh, you can do them uh, even with an 18-month uh, course, and the coding isn't a very, very difficult, and it's right. not a high programming job. So right, I, right. I think we just have to be, yeah. And, and by, now, the, 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 you know, come on, the other issue may be, if you could address this, I may be off base, but I'll bring it up. How much of this is these companies are going overseas? Uh, i.e. India uh, and other countries to to hire people because they can get them at a lower wage? I think that is part of the issue, and I think we need to reform the H-1B visa process that has been abused by these companies to bring in lower wage. And uh, But I don't think that's the uh, only issue, and the reason I say that is because there's no reason they can't have some of the similar uh, credentialing programs and job creation programs here in the United States. We just haven't been intentional about it. We have not said, okay, our goal is to get people in, in the United States credentialed, paid, uh, and hired. And uh, it's been a failure, I, I would argue, both of uh, our policy in not mm-hmm. doing that uh, and these tech companies. But there's no, no doubt that we have to reform uh, H-1B visa process. But a lot of these companies rather have these people in the United States who can speak the language, who are in the same time zone, uh, who, you know, you don't have to yeah. all live in the Bay Area. Yeah. I cost a living. Right. Yeah, I know. Uh, uh, my son points out that where he is damn near like, you know, having to be up 24 hours a day because of different, you know, time zones. Congressman Ro Kana is my guest. He represents California's 17th congressional district. Um let me go to uh, again this issue uh, that is dominated uh, us for the ever since this leak came out. Just to get your, I, I'd love to get your response to this. Um, what your response to this leak? How significant is it? Um, you know, is there is this something that that Congress can head off if the if uh, the Supreme Court decides to follow through with uh, this uh, memorandum this memorandum and make it law, or make it I'm sorry, make it a court decision, not law. 
Oh, it's very, very significant because it's uh, moving our country backwards over 50 years. I mean, when I was in law school, the idea that they would overturn Roe versus Wade was inconceivable. It's uh, fundamentally about gender equality. I think Roe is justified under the 14th Amendment that women should have uh, as much right over their own bodies as men have uh, over our bodies. And uh, they're basically going back uh, to a uh, era where you did not have uh, equality for, for women. So it is a major, major blow beyond the blow to reproductive rights. It's a blow to this idea of equality of the uh, of the sexes. And I think that's why it's appropriately outraged so many Americans. Uh, people are just gra- grabbing the severity of what this court is doing, how backwards they're moving America. So we we can deal with this legislatively. We need to codify Roe versus Wade in, uh, in Congress. The House has already passed that. The Senate should pass that. As you know, you know, there are two senators who are not yeah. willing to, to overturn the filibuster to do that. You know, on the Democratic side, I, and, and then, of course, I pointed out this morning that you, you now have a couple of Republican senators, ironically women, who said, oh, we were had, my words. <laughs> and uh, but, <laughs> but they could they could signal uh, Majority Leader Schumer said, look, you know, we're ready to vote uh, and maybe to to codify this. And and that would take in essence, uh, take take care of it. Am I accurate in that? I mean, the Supreme Court could go ahead by June or July, I, I think, and and rule. People are a little confused. They're hearing that the that Congress could codify this. In other words, address it, make it law. But that would not stop, and help me understand, that would not stop the Supreme Court from ruling on Roe versus Wade, would it? Correct. Right now what the Supreme Court, what Roe versus Wade says is it doesn't matter what Congress does. There's a constitutional right to the uh, a right to an abortion. And the Supreme Court in July is uh, expected to say that constitutional right does not exist. That means it's going to be up to Congress and the states to determine uh, whether uh, a uh, a woman can have the right to to get an abortion. And in the absence of Congress doing anything, it will just fall to every state to make uh, make the law. But you're absolutely right that the two Republican senators – who campaign as pro-choice, who win as pro-choice when they run, uh, should be willing to now say that they are going to live up to how they campaign and that they are going to actually vote to say at a federal level abortion uh, should be legal. The other thing I think which is very important is every Republican who is running in 2022, uh, whether you're running for the House, whether you're running for the Senate, whether you're running for the state legislature, should be asked a simple question. Do you believe that there should be federal legislation, if you're running for the House or Senate, to ban abortions nationally? And if you're running for the state legislature, do you believe there should be legislation in your state to ban abortion in your state? And and we need to really understand, because the Republican vision and goal, they're not content with just overturning Roe versus Wade. There are many Republican colleagues in the House who will say they want to ban abortion nationwide, and they should have to answer that question in November. Yeah, and and of course, uh, uh, Minority Leader McConnell wouldn't even wouldn't even admit that he wanted to uh, ban 
abortions and talked all, and Schumer pointed that out. You know, how dare you, you, this issue comes up and then you don't even, you know, stand on the, the, the one issue uh, that uh, your party has in its platform, by the way. But that, that, that's something, that's them. This leads me to a question and as and I thank you so much for being up early with us. But this leads me to a question uh, that I brought up in the last hour based on a news story, a recent poll, that 8 in 10 Americans say that President Biden is not doing enough for the economy. Uh, and so I asked the question to my audience, then what should the president do to improve the economy? Um, if he's not doing enough, uh, how would you re- respond? First of all, do you agree he's not doing enough? Should he and can he do more? And what would be your recommendation to him, Congressman uh, Connor? Well, Joe, look, I think he has done uh, a fair amount. Remember, unemployment was almost at 7% when he took office. It's down to 3.6%. He's gotten us out of some very difficult times by passing the American Rescue Plan that people may not remember, but everyone got a check when he first got into office, and that helped grow the economy. He's passed the infrastructure bill. But I think he has to do more. Look, I'll say two things concretely he can do. I'm here in Chicago. I was meeting with steelworkers in Chicago uh, yesterday. They said when they were growing up in the 80s, uh, these were African-American steel workers. They said they felt that there were more economic opportunities for them growing up in the 80s and 90s to get uh, some of these jobs than there are today. That There are less jobs because of a lot of the steel plants having been shut down or closed. Uh, the Southworks U.S. steel plant being shut down in Gary, Indiana, uh, being downsized. And they said what we really need is someone innovative, imaginative to, to produce new things in America and to have massive investment, fast investment in production and creating new jobs and creating new industry across this country where the government can help. The government can say we're going to finance these new plants to make new steel, to make gigafactories, to make uh, the uh, products of the future so we're not as dependent on China. Uh, and we can, the president can be uh, bolder in, in, in providing that capital and purchase agreements and trying to create these uh, plants and, and faster about it. And I think that would resonates. The second thing is I think you can do more on inflation. Uh, we ought to be mobilizing the National Guard to go out and help with the transport that's uh, hurting some of the supply chains. You should convene a council and get people from the Department of Agriculture, uh, Department of Energy, uh, other areas and say, and industry and say, okay, what are we going to do? Where are the bottlenecks? Uh, what do I need to do to try to increase production? So I just think there has to be more urgency, focus, uh, it, on the economy in in general, and is it? I, I mean, I'm tempted to ask, why isn't he doing this? Uh, um, and and then, are the would the do you think the your colleagues on the other side of the aisle would get on board with you? Probably not. In terms of the other <laughs> okay. side of the aisle. <laughs> All right. But, uh, some may, but but look, the president has. A lot of power, right? Look, critical Roosevelt, he didn't do everything perfectly, obviously, right. and excluded a lot of uh, uh, black Americans. But when, when he, during World War II, in one year, we went from making 3,000 planes to 5,000 planes. And that was largely on his uh, uh, authority. I mean, he, the president has the authority where he can come out and he can say, uh, I am going to uh, direct the federal government to start financing 
uh, production in this country because I've seen that we're way too dependent uh, overseas. And he can pull in some of the innovative technology leaders and say, tell me, how do we make the next generation of batteries here? How do we make the new steel here? How do we make sure that we make nails here? I mean, all the nails that we're talking about in Chicago, all of them have gone offshore. How do we make sure we make masks in this country? Uh, and here's here's a, a vision, and I'm going to actually create some of these new jobs. I think infrastructure, the problem with it is very abstract. You know, people say, okay, is that really happening? Is it being produced now? They're not seeing the, mm-hmm. the forward energy, the, the motion. So yeah. I, I think the president has a lot of authority to, to do that. And then on inflation, you know, why not mobilize the National Guard? Yeah, why exactly. Not? Why not? That's exact. you know, I didn't think about that, but you're absolutely right. Why not do it? I mean, I think that, I think what people want is they they understand it's a hard time, but they want a government in motion, a president saying, "I am mobilizing this country to get the economy back, to get inflation down." And I'm waking up every morning and I'm thinking about that. You know, something struck me. I was in a very concerning. I was with my Uber driver. I often get my my where people are with my Uber driver. It was a young uh, African American, about 27 years old, who was listening to to hip hop. I said, "You know, so what do you think about the president?" He said, well, yeah, I'm not voting for him. Gas prices went up, other things. I voted for him over Trump. I'm not going to vote for him uh, again. And uh, yeah, I was I, I was concerned when, when, when he said that. And he said, you guys, all you're talking about is Ukraine. And uh, all you're thinking about is how to stand up for Ukraine. I think the president has done a tremendous job on Ukraine. I think the president is, deserves a lot of credit. But it struck me that we have to wake up every morning talking about first the, the Uber driver and how to make his life better and what we're doing for him and, the, and, and, and convince the American people that 80 percent of our efforts are energetic, trying to get this economy back moving, creating good paying jobs and, and lowering prices. And I don't think I think there's a disconnect that energy isn't coming through from our government. And it goes back to what A. Philip Randolph said to Roosevelt, since you brought him up in reference to the uh, World War II production, make, he told A. Philip Randolph, make me do it. Make me yeah. hire, make me hire uh, folks equitably. And, and so that's kind of what I think is our charge, is it not? I don't want to put words in your mouth. But in other words, we have to make the president do this, don't we? We do, and I think we're we're succeeding when it's coming to student debt. But I I don't know why they're dragging this out because you know what happens is if they drag it out and do it kind of half-heartedly, yeah. then people don't even give them credit for what right. they end up doing. He should just come out tomorrow and say twenty five thousand dollars. I'm I'm for fifty thousand, but twenty thousand dollars. I'm wiping that off tomorrow. And you know what the guy, the Uber driver I was talking about, he had student debt. Suddenly he'd say, okay. This president is doing something very concrete for my life. You know, when infrastructure is here, he's, that's not helping that Uber driver. I mean, it's, so we got to be really concrete about what are we doing that's going to tangibly help people's lives and, and convince them that we're uh, on their side. And I think mobilizing uh, to, to convince the president to, right. to, uh, to do all this. I mean, I think his heart's in the right place. He just needs a yeah. a, a push, and ultimately, it's always about the economy. I mean, it's, it's oh, yeah. people want to have good-paying jobs. They want prices to come down, and they want to see that their government is focused and trying and doing everything we possibly can on that. All right. Now, finally, based on this conversation we're having, Congressman 
Connor. Um, are you are you afraid that you might be helping the other side because they're the ones also over on Fox and conservative talk radio uh, listening and maybe saying, yeah, see, he's, you know, eight, eight and ten Americans are right. He's not doing enough. So we need a new Congress. It's a balance, Joe. I, could, I, I try never to go on television and criticize the president. Overall, I think he's done a good job. But if we don't sound the alarm heading to the midterms and say we've got to change course, focus more on the economy, have greater urgency, uh, do some bold things, uh, then we're going to have a rude awakening in November. And so uh, if you say to me, will you do everything possible for this president to get him reelected? Absolutely. I'll be campaigning all over the country. Uh, will you support this president and say he's doing a good job? Absolutely. But am I going to keep quiet when I'm hearing on the streets and places I go a discontent and economic anxiety? That would be a disservice. It would be a disservice to the country and to the Democratic Party. And the upshot of that is going to be uh, a, a speaker, Kevin McCarthy. So oh. that's why I'm saying we've, we've got to push this president uh, and the Congress to, to do a few big things before November. Yeah, we have. And that's the key. We have to mobilize and we have to push. I was with the uh, speaker not too long ago and 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 uh, she was pointing out in this with when those of you and others supported the anti lynching bill. She said something in um, in a, a ceremony I attended. Congress maneuvers, and 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 we we here on this side we we mobilize, and that's really what you're saying. We've got to get out here and mobilize voters. That that's what I hear you saying. I absolutely, Joe. I know the speaker uh, uh, respects you, and I. I think you look. You have a huge platform. Obviously, I don't need to tell you that. You're, there are uh, millions of people who listen to you, and I think they need to get out there and they yeah. need to say, "Here, here's what we need to do." And that's the only thing that uh, that moves Congress. And that's right. Of them, if I could just, you know, talk about the wealth generation again. One thing people don't realize with cryptocurrency, they say, "Well, why are there so many young Black Americans who are invested in these cryptocurrencies?" Because it's disproportionate. And obviously they have to be protected, but one of the things is that the, the young generation don't want to miss out on wealth generation again. They missed out in the Industrial Revolution in, in the black community. They missed out on part of the Internet. And they're saying, look, this is a new technology that we want to build wealth. And I think one of the big messing messages that the Democratic Party needs to speak to, whether they're young black women and men or young Latino women and men, uh, or young soldiers in rural communities, how are you going to be able to build economic wealth, opportunity, have good-paying jobs uh, so that you have a secure life? And I, I just don't think that we're focused enough on that message, which is so basic on what people's dreams are. They have the same dreams as kids growing up in my district, as your kids had. Absolutely. Well, I, I hope we can get you back. Uh, I know it's early in the morning, but, uh, you know, just please don't hesitate uh, to contact us. I appreciate us. it. Well, I'm a big fan of the show, as I said, so I'd love to be back. Oh, yeah. And and don't, and don't I always used to say this uh, to, to my friends uh, in, in, in Congress. If you hear something, you need something, do not hesitate. If they tell me that Congressman 
uh, Ro Khanna is on the phone, we'll take that call immediately, no matter who we're talking to, and I promise that. That's so kind of you, Joe, and I appreciate your voice out there and look forward to being back on uh, often to, uh, yeah. to to share share what's going on. All right. Don't hesitate. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, Thank folks. You, you can listen to yours truly, Madison, the Black Eagle, live every Monday through Friday on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.